Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week four, day one of our study of Isaiah. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Isaiah 10, 1 through 19. Welcome back. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. And before we get started, I want to encourage you to remember to read Isaiah 10 times in these next 10 weeks. This really can transform your life in God. With that, let's go ahead and pray before we start today. Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us, God. Speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today. We want to encounter you in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word to be reading today from the NIV. This is Isaiah 10, starting in verse 1. Woe to those who make unjust laws, to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. <clears throat> I want to pause right there because... Uh, so much of of what we have on the books today as far as our laws in the United States. I'm not going to speak to other countries. I'm just going to speak to the United States. But so much of what we have on our books is designed, at least what is spoken from the podiums and the platforms in Congress and all around the country is, is compassion. And what ends up happening, and so much that's promoted out of compassion is just undeniably wicked, undeniably wicked, so much that's promoted. And then so many things that are promoted as compassionate and kind, they don't on the surface seem wicked, but then when we look at the results, they sound exactly what Isaiah is talking about here. They sound like unjust laws oppressive decrees. They're depriving the poor of their rights. And, and so often, and, 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 and if you're not familiar with 1984, the term Orwellian comes from that where, you know, you, you say a law is supposed to do one thing, but then it ends up doing the exact opposite, right? You're using what is called in, in 1984, the book that or, uh, Orwell wrote is uh, doublespeak or um, where you say one thing and it means completely the opposite. And, and that's employed pretty readily by politicians. It was in his day and it is today. <clears throat> and sometimes it's difficult to know, are, are the outcomes intentional or are they just so misguided? And, and is the government inept at, at actually enacting these things that they end up accomplishing the opposite of what they set out to do? So much of of the welfare state in the United States, while on the surface, again, it seems, it, it seems like it's supposed to be kind and seems like it might be kind, but then it ends up just creating generations of poverty. And, and so much of, of what's going on seems like this. And, and, and really, and truly what might be happening is all of these laws might have great intentions but then they get filtered through a people, the United States, who by and large have rejected the knowledge of God. And so even when you take laws with good intentions and you filter them through a complete rejection of the knowledge of God, they end up having the effect of being unjust and oppressive laws where the rights of the poor are taken away and there's no justice we see it all the time. People complain about it all the time. 
is that there's two justice systems in the United States, one for the rich and one for the poor, right? We see politicians and, and wealthy people get away with everything. And we see the poor, they get the, the cheapest lawyers or they get the public defenders and, 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 and there's these two systems. And this is exactly what the Lord is talking about. Equal application of the law was huge, huge for the Lord. When he's giving all of the laws to Moses, this is a really big deal is that you don't show favor to the rich and that you don't show pity to the poor, right? Those are the two extremes. And we see both of those in the United States right now. This is how you know that we have lost our way is when you see a nation that gives uh, you know, so much leeway to the rich, so much leeway, and then shows so much pity to the poor. We have places in the United States right now where the homeless and the people like that, they can almost get away with murder because the idea is, you know, well, they've had such a hard life and, and you know, they're the oppressed minorities that <clears throat> we should let them get away with more, right? And the law, when the Lord gives Moses the law, he's very clear on this. Do not favor the rich and do not pity the poor, but enact justice blindly, right? The the statue in front of every courthouse or in every courthouse is, is Lady Justice and she's holding the scales and she's got a blinder on. That's the idea is that we should be indiscriminate in, in our execution of justice. And we're not. We're exactly what Isaiah is talking about here. Verse three, what will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yet for all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. To the Lord is saying, listen, all of you wealthy, all of you lawmakers. He's, he's specifically speaking, actually, in this passage to lawmakers. This is a fearful thing. If you run for any position where you're making laws, this is a fearful thing. One day we will all give account to the Lord, but this is one of those things where it seems like if you run for elected position or if you are given a position, right? Not, not everybody in the world is living under democracy, but if you are in one of these positions of power, regardless of what you can get away with in this, in this life or not, you will answer to the Lord someday. And he's saying, listen, all of this is going on. You're getting away with it now. You're getting away with denying the poor justice. You're getting away with all of this stuff. Guess what? It won't last. Even though you're getting away, saying the Lord's hand is upraised. He's got this idea, right, that, that the Lord has got his hand up here ready to come crashing down with the rod of his anger. All right, let's continue on. Uh, verse 5. Woe to the Assyrian, the rod of my anger, in whose hand is the club of my wrath. I send them against a godless nation. I dispatch them against a people who anger me to seize loot and snatch plunder and to trample them down like mud in the streets. <clears throat> but this is not what he intends. This is not what he has in mind. His purpose is to destroy, to put an end to many nations. I want to pause right there. So the Lord is, is saying, listen, because of this Israel, and he's, he's specifically talking to the northern kingdom of Israel right now, although we're going to see later that Judah and Jerusalem are going to get pulled into this, but specifically speaking to the northern tribes, 
and he has been for a, a couple of chapters here. And he, but now he's saying, woe to you Assyrians. So he turns really quickly away from Israel and he says, woe to you Assyrian. But then he calls Assyria the rod of my anger, right? So we got this picture, right? For all of this, his anger is not turned away. And so the Lord's hand is still upraised. It's like he's got this rod. And then he says that Assyria is the rod of his anger. It's the rod that's going to come crashing down on Israel. And so now, like we put all this together, right? You might be, if you're reading this and you're like, this is hard to follow along. Why was he talking about Israel? And then he switches to Assyria. Assyria is that rod. But then he's saying to you, Assyria, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you to destroy Israel. But woe to you. Woe to anyone really is what he's saying here in whose hand is the club of my wrath, right? The Lord is giving Assyria authority to come and bring destruction over Israel. And he's saying, I'm going to send you against this godless nation, this people that have turned away from me, right? And he's like, I'm using you to discipline them. He's saying, but in the Assyrians' mind, that's not what they care about. That's not what they're after. They're only there to destroy and take over and, and, and go through all of this and, and, and make their name great. They're not in it for the Lord. The Lord is using them, but they're not in it for the Lord. And so he's saying, woe to you, right? And the idea here is the Lord's going to use this four nation to discipline his chosen people, but woe to the nation that he chooses to do that through. Woe to the nation that he chooses to discipline his people. Verse eight, <clears throat> are not my commanders all kings, he says? Has Calnon uh, fared like Carchemish? Or has not Calnon fared, uh, fared like Carchemish? Is not Hamath like Arpad and Samaria like Damascus? Okay, pausing right there. All of these things. So this is the essentially the king of Assyria saying this, right? He's saying, all, my commanders are kings, right? Every one of us, we're royalty. And, he, and, and he's saying, you know, are you Israel? Are you Judah and Jerusalem going to repel me? No, no, Calno and Carchemish and Hamath and Arpad, these are all uh, cities in uh, Aram, cities of Aram, essentially, except for Samaria and Damascus. But they're all uh, cities of Aram and then in the, the northern part of Israel. Damascus is, of course, um, northeast of, of modern-day Israel. And so uh, <clears throat> the, the king of Assyria is saying, you know, no one's stopping me. No one stopped me. I'm going to roll over everybody. I'm going to do this to everybody. And so he's already rolling. And so now he's speak the, the, the king of Assyria is speaking. We see not to the Northern tribes of Israel, but to Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 10, as my, my hand sees the kingdoms of the idols, kingdoms whose images excelled those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not deal with Jerusalem and her images as I dealt with Samaria and her idols? When the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eyes. For he says, by, my strength, by the strength of my hand, I have done this. And by my wisdom, because I have understanding, I removed the boundaries of nations, plundered their treasuries, like a mighty one, I subdued their king. <clears throat> so here again, the Lord's saying, you're arrogant king of Assyria. He's saying, you did not have the power to do all of this. I gave you the power 
for a purpose. And because you have taken the power and the success that you've had militarily, and it's made you prideful, it's made you arrogant, I'm going to destroy you next. That's what he's saying to the king of Assyria. So backtracking here, what we've what we've had, the conflicts that Isaiah is speaking to up to this point have been that the northern kingdom of Israel, which is often in Isaiah here referred to as Ephraim, because Samaria was in the tribe of Ephraim, has made an alliance with the Arameans and with Aram. And now Isaiah is prophesying that this king of Assyria has come down and is saying, hey, listen, I've conquered all of the Arameans and I've conquered now Samarians and I've taken them over. And now I'm coming toward Judah, right? So so we've had this prophecy against Aram and against Israel for allying together against Judah and Jerusalem. And then God has said through Isaiah, what we've already looked at in this book, that Isaiah, uh, or the Lord's going to send Assyria to conquer Aram and Israel, the northern tribe. And that's what we're seeing here. And now what we're getting the picture is the Assyrians are going to attack Jerusalem next. And and we know from history, they did this. Um, they, they, they did this and and the prophets have a lot to say about this. This is in uh, Chronicles. It's in Kings. It's partly here in the book of Isaiah. <clears throat> it's all throughout uh, the history of Israel, what actually went on there. But now the Lord is speaking to Assyria and saying, listen, I gave you this authority. You're irritating and arrogant to me, so I'm going to destroy you next. Verse 14, as one reaches into a nest, so my hand reached for the wealth of nations. As people gathered abandoned eggs, so I gathered all the countries, not one flapped a wing. Again, this is the king of Assyria speaking here. This is him. The Lord is quoting what the king of Assyria is saying. Uh, Back to verse 14, not one flapped its wing or opened its mouth to chirp. Verse 15, the Lord is responding now, does the ax raise itself above the person who swings it or the saw boast against the one who uses it? As if a rod were to wield the person who lifts it up or a club brandish the one who is not wood. So the Lord's saying, listen, <laughs> is, is the ax the one that raises itself up against you know, up, up overhead before it swings down. No, it's the person doing that. And the Lord is telling the king of Assyria, you're the ax. I'm the guy, right? You're just the tool and I'm the one actually swinging you. I'm the one making the decisions here. And so the king of Assyria is proud. He's saying, listen, I'm the one who's conquered all of this stuff. No one stands in my way. I do everything I want with impunity. And the Lord's like, no, you're the tool that I'm using and nothing more nothing more. Verse 15, or no, uh, verse 16. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord Almighty will send a wasting disease upon his sturdy warriors. Under his pomp, a fire will be kindled like a blazing flame. The light of Israel will become a fire, their holy one, a flame. In a single day, it will burn and consume his thorns and his briars. The splendor of his forests and fertile fields it will completely destroy as when a sick person wastes away and the remaining trees of his forest will be so few that a child could write them down. So what the Lord is saying is, listen, Assyria, 
I've used you and you didn't do it well. And so I'm going to destroy you next. He's saying, listen, it's going to be so complete for you. You think that you're just like wantonly destroying everything and nothing's going to happen to you. Listen, I'm going to send someone against you so that there's going to be so few trees of your forest left that a little child that can count to 10, right? My daughter is five right now and she just sat in my lap the other day and counted to 100, right? This is the idea. This is a five-year-old we could send in who can barely count to 100 and they're not going to get to the end of the numbers that they know before they've counted all of your trees, all of your stuff. That's how much is going to be left of you. So Isaiah by inspiration from the Lord is prophesying against Assyria saying, listen, the Lord's using you, but it's not going to go well for you. Again, it comes back to woe to the one that the Lord uses to discipline the ones that he loves because the Lord will discipline the ones that he loves, but woe to the ones that he uses to do it. You don't want to be in that seat. You don't want to be in that seat. It's not a good place to be. It may feel good for just a moment, but we don't want to stay there. No one wants to, no one wants to be there when the Lord turns around and is like, now I'm going to deal with you. And that's what he's going to do to Assyria for the way that the king of Assyria has treated Israel and Judah. For the 10-week Bible study, I'm your host, Aaron Hibbs, and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.